morning, heart and soul, and welcome to our Sunday service celebration. My name is Sonia Russell. I am a licensed practitioner and proud founding member here at Heart and Soul. It is my great pleasure to welcome you and let you know how you can be engaged on this beautiful Sunday, July 4th. I want to make sure that I acknowledge that, yes, you're hearing my voice before you hear meditation. We are shifting. We are growing. We are changing. There's no going back, and we're leaning into that family. We're leaning into there's nothing to go back to. We are moving forward, uh, and we're moving forward in a way that we feel is going to be effective and efficient and supports the flow and the unfolding of our service uh, in a new and different way. So I want to make sure that you know what will happen moving forward will be that you will hear myself or someone that someone else. You will hear someone in the morning that gives you sort of an opportunity to really be present and welcomed and hear. And then we will remind you that you can find all of the information about the things that we are doing consistently in community together. You can find all of those things on our website, heartsoulcenter.org. You can also sign up for our recap and get all of those things in your email box. Our point is to make sure that this time is just spent reminding you about things that are coming up that may be new, that may be time sensitive, uh, that may be something that you need to um, hear about more specifically. But in general, we want to kind of streamline this time and allow us the opportunity uh, to really spend as much time as possible being in uh, the ever unfolding presence of the message. I want to make sure uh, that you know that, again, you can find everything on our website, heartsoulcenter.org, and you can sign up for our newsletter by visiting heartsoulcenter.org slash sign up, and that will give you an opportunity to have all of those. So what will happen is that you'll have the opportunity to be reminded of a few things, and then we'll push you into um, the new uh, information that we want to share with you. And then we'll move into our devotional time from there. And during that devotional time, uh, one of our practitioners will lead us through our vision, uh, a time of a five-minute centering, which will be kind of a brief meditation. Meditation is important to us as a community, and we want to have the opportunity for more people to lean into it. Uh, And so it will happen during that time. And then following our prayer, we'll be able to go right into the Sunday message. And so it's our intention, as I said, to really make sure that it is there's a more fluidity um, and a more flow and that we're really embracing this opportunity to be new as we move into uh, this new time of being together in person in community again. So with that said, our theme continues to be adventures in faith, rise up. We continue to allow ourselves to be steeped in our community affirmation. Thank you for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. And we continue to allow ourselves to be Um, guided daily with our read Emmett Fox around the year with Emmett Fox. Additionally, family, I want to move into um, letting you know that there now is the time to get vaccinated. We're coming back into community together. I lean into getting vaccinated because it's for the community, right? That's not my favorite thing to do, that everybody has their own sort of feelings about what vaccinations are and how they work. But this is an opportunity that we're doing it for each other. We're doing it so that we can get out of onto the other side. And so we're leaning into the different ways in which you can do that. You can visit covid 
www.acgov.org, and they will give you a list of all of the local places that you can get yourself vaccinated. This family is just for those of us who are local. Um, I'm sure there's some other opportunities you can lean into finding in the area that you live in that has some making sure that you're getting vaccinated. Vaccinations are free. You can text your zip code, though, to 438829, and they will include some information for you about the closest locations for you to be vaccinated. You can also call 800-232-0233, and they will provide you with um, information. We have this list. Again, as I mentioned, if you make sure that you're signed up for our recap, you'll get this information in your email box. Um, But there are locations from Alameda to San Leandro and through the, <laughs> through the alphabet in the Bay Area um, within the Alameda County so that you can get yourself um, vaccinated and we're, and we're leaning into making sure um, that you do that. And because today is the first Sunday, we are going to hear from Prayer and Care for birthdays. But before that, I want to make sure that you know that registration for summer school is opening next Sunday, July 11th, and we are excited because... Summer School Transforms Our Lives. Check this out. Good morning, heart and soul, and happy 4th of July to you. My name is Robert Williams. I'm a founding member, a licensed practitioner, prayer facilitator, and co-leader of our prayer and care ministry. And on the first Sunday of each month, our ministry has the opportunity to come before, before you, the congregation, and share a little bit more about who we are, what we do, and how we can be contacted. We believe that there's a power in prayer and that prayer works. We stand with you through any situation as you are having challenges and change and transition, grief, and also to celebrate your joy. We offer laser prayer, confidential, focused, intentional prayer to support you through knowing the truth through any situation and to align with you for your highest and best well-being. Every Sunday, approximately 10 minutes after the conclusion of our service, You can call in and prayer facilitators are available to support you in knowing the truth in prayer, as well as on Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time. We can also be reached online at prayercareheartsoulcenter.org 
We're very excited about our Power of Prayer podcast that can be accessed through Spotify, Anchor, or iTunes, and that is available to you on the spot, 724-365. But we are most excited now about our new call-in prayer request line. You can call in your prayer request from any time zone, from at any hour, and a prayer facilitator will return your call within 24 hours. And one of the ways that we celebrate here at Heart and Soul is that we celebrate those who are celebrating birthdays during the month. So if you are celebrating a birthday during the month of July, we offer this affirmation. Today, know that there is a power flowing through you, taking the form of your beliefs, acting upon your acceptance, and fulfilling your dreams. Life cannot withhold itself from you. All that life has is given fully to you to enjoy this day and always. And from heart and soul to you, we say, Beloved, we know who you are. You are a divine beloved of God and are blessed this day with radiant health, expanding abundance, loving relationships, and the wisdom, courage, and strength to be all that you are. We love you, we appreciate you, and we thank God for you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. vision speaks to who we are as a community and how we operate in the world. And this is our opportunity to ground ourselves in our vision by saying it together. So together, we are a loving and compassionate world-class teaching and empowerment ministry. Through a consciousness of universal God presence, we release all resistance separation, and fear. We claim our personal liberation and accept the eternal availability of joy, love, and abundance. Through our intention to be love and spread joy, we engender reflections of the same and more in others. Our ministry is a gift to the world, which expands through our practice and dedication. We welcome all people, and together we make a quantifiable, positive difference on the planet. And so it is. So even as we have grounded ourselves in our vision family, let us take this opportunity to also ground ourselves in stillness. So wherever you are, I invite you to make yourself comfortable, 
so that you may be open to divine guidance. Know that right where you are, God is, and therefore it is a safe and sacred space. So if you're willing, I invite you to gently allow your eyes to close and relax into this sacred moment. Join me in taking a deep conscious breath. Breathe in and release with a sigh. Now give thanks for your breath as you gently allow it to return to its natural rhythm. Let your breath be an ever-present reminder of your oneness with spirit and its ever-availability as a guide and source of inner peace, love, and clarity, regardless of outer circumstances. As we enter the stillness, continue to focus on your breath, and I offer this affirmation as our guide. I have been that I have been. I am that I am. And I will be what I will be simultaneously.
how good it is to be still and know that there is a divine power and presence that is expressing itself fully and completely as all manner of good. Expressing itself as love and peace and harmony and joy, creativity, abundance and prosperity. As freedom, the opportunity to be all that we are called to be and do. How good it is to know that this power and presence, which in this moment I'm choosing to call God, though it is known by many names, is expressing itself fully and completely as everyone within the sound of my voice and beyond. That we are all here by divine appointment to bring the highest and best expression of spirit into form. I know that we are here to love and be love. We are here to serve and give and express our creativity in ways that are unique to each and every one of us. I give thanks that the all good that is God is showing up as health and well-being for each and every one of us. That our relationships are safe and secure and supportive. I'm grateful that we live in an abundant universe that the leaves have tree the trees have leaves beyond counting. I'm grateful for knowing that right where each and every one of us is, God is, and therefore all must be exceedingly well. I'm grateful for God showing up as heart and soul center of light. Grateful for it being a place where we can grow and move into our full and complete expression in community. I'm giving thanks for every hand and heart that is laid hand on this service and anything that is happening at Heart and Soul Center of Light. Grateful for their sacred yes. I'm giving thanks for those who pray without ceasing and know the truth for all in the form of prayer. I'm giving thanks for our board, our ministers, our music ministry. I'm giving thanks for everything that hmm, makes heart and soul the transformative force that it is. And we're grateful for how this transformation shows up in, in our lives, in the lives of those that we touch. I'm grateful for our senior and founding minister, Reverend Andrea Earl, for her sacred yes, for her willingness to be and do that which she is called to be and do so that we can answer the call to be that which we are here to be and do. And so in gratitude, I just... 
I step aside in consciousness. I know that every word that has been spoken is the absolute truth as it is making its way into the perfect activity of love and law. I know that it is done and done well because it is done in, through, and as God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Mother, Father, God. And so it is. And thank you for joining us this morning and always, whether you are joining us in this first moment ever in your life or whether we catch you at a, at a continuous point of being a part of this amazing heart and soul family and community. Regardless, wherever you are on the continuum, welcome. And I say it that way because we may have caught some of y'all a little off guard this morning. Because our flow, just as Sonia, and let me just say a huge thank you to the team. It, requ- it takes a village, and what I, I am standing right now in the midst of a phenomenal team, a team that has essentially turned on the proverbial dime. To, here's the truth. I have, I have had a vision, an intention uh, for years of having a different shift, a different flow to our service. And what occurred to me recently as we've been talking about change, you know, we are up to the yin-yang of everything in change right now. And so it just, it made sense to me that this would be a time to make some of the shifts that it always felt like I was had a divided mind about the when of it and the how of it. And so just sitting with it, it occurred to me that one of the things that has always been a little uncomfortable, if you recall, if you've been with us for a while, or if you were with us just momentarily before we went into shelter in place. You know, we always began when we were gathering in the, in the sanctuary, we began with a 15-minute meditation. Well, only the three or four or five of you that were there would really know what it was and how long it was. But I I just want a presence that there were just a few people. Now, I happen to know that the rest of y'all do your meditation much earlier. And that's why you weren't there. So I'm not worried about it. There's no, I'm not judging. There's no heat, no shame around it. All I want you to know is that we were hosting about five to ten people. And what I really wanted that to, the purpose of it, was for us to get centered. And I thought, well, we don't need a whole 15 minutes to get centered. And then once we began our virtual service, we, be, we continued the meditation in the same way. And then something that always bothered me, I love this must be heart and soul. But it almost shocks us out of the meditation. <laughs> You know, we meditate and we get to whatever the groove is, and then we go, ah, which I love. I think our service ought to begin with a, wow, we ought to be doing all that and more. But the two things were inappropriately for me placed. There was not the kind of continuity that I'm looking for in the service. And so I thought, you know, you the, you the 
senior minister, so say something. Don't just be sitting here uncomfortable with it. And when I said something, a number of our heads nodded. Like, yeah, that is a little awkward, too. And so we begin with, oh, come on, get up out your seats. Know that what? This is heart and soul. Go on, get the groove going. Wake yourself up and get to it. And then once we remind you of what we're up to, what's happening, because we want you to know. Now, can I say this about that? That largely, there are those who complain, and they don't want you to tell. We don't want you to spend no time telling us what's going on. And then, I don't know that it's the same people, so I'm not making any accusations, but I know we get the calls of, why didn't I know that was going on? And so we're between a rock and a hard place because you want to know, but you don't want us to take the time to tell you. And so I've decided we're going to take a little time to tell you about a little stuff, but then we're going to hook you up with where you can find it out, the rest of it, the details on your own. So we're going to do our best to compact it. So we're not going to take a lot of time so we can get what to our devotional time. So we're just going to set a little time aside after we update you. And then we're going to drop into, why are we doing that? What's our vision? What's our intention? Why are we here? And then we're going to just center ourselves in that awareness. And then we're going to pray. And then I'm going to come and tell y'all a little something, something. And so now we're at the something, something part of the service. And look at here. Today is literally the 4th of July. And so for many of us, the 4th of July places us right at the pinnacle of an adventure in faith. Because look, when you wear this kind of look in these United States, meaning black and female, it's a paradox. When you start looking at the, the um, well, the 4th of July represents that in Congress they adapted Thomas Jefferson's words, and part of his words, as you know, is that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men, and I want to say all people, but they weren't believing all people. They weren't even believing all men. Well, they kind of were with the way that they defined men. So you see, it's paradoxical. It's a real problem for folks of color and female. It's pretty much everybody with any sense. It's a real problem because you cannot, you have to be schizophrenic, literally, to read it and believe that that's the whole thing. You have to not live here. You have to not have no social media, no television, no news report, and you have to have not had that for the entire time that there's been a United States. So it's a challenge. But I kind of feel like we're up to it. Why? Because we're heart and soul. And we're committed to the transformation of the planet, beginning with our own minds, beginning with our own hearts, beginning with our own self-talk. So we recognize that, that there is, and this is, this is an interesting thing about the way the divine works. The way the I am, the mighty I am present presence works, because it worked in Thomas Jefferson pretty much the way it works in us. That is to say, we're gonna get some good stuff from time to time. We're gonna say some stuff that's downright brilliant. It's gonna stop traffic. Folks will be, wait, I gotta take a note about that. Wait, what'd you say? 
And, and I mean, it's brilliant. It's so right on. It's in the pocket. And then the next five minutes, you can say it's something that just is so ridiculous. And so we're, we're holding this divine truth that truly all people are created equal. And that in that creation of them, there are certain unalienable rights. But that doesn't mean we'll be able to live in ways consistently where we can tell by our individual behavior that that's what we believe. That's the paradox. See, it's not just for those folks. And tearing down statues is not, I mean, that's not the whole thing. I I understand how that happens. And I'm not offering an opinion about that, but we're going to have to do something else. That's not going to be the whole thing. we like, okay, that's done. No, it ain't. We're going to have to live and breathe this notion of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness as being available and the right of each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. If you were with me last week, you know that, that the entire alphabet of the LGBT, all of it, It includes all of us in every way, all the time. And we're not all ready for that. We just to tell the whole truth that we, in our human condition, this is where, you know, we might want to have some compassion for the founding fathers, where we might understand that and appreciate that there is some good work here, and then there's some of this is just undeveloped. This is emotional intelligence that is not, it, it, they got another further to go. And there's some other considerations around all of this. But I just want to lay the groundwork that, that there's a thing that happened on the 4th of July in 1776 that got this thing started. And then a hundred years after that, our beloved brother, Frederick Douglass, was invited to speak to um, a a women's gathering. And in that, it was on the 4th of July in 1852. And one of his, the way he opened that was to say, what to the American slave is your 4th of July? In the vernacular, don't get it twisted. The 4th of July means something different to y'all than it means to us. It's not that the writing isn't like right on. It's the living of it. But isn't that always where the breakdown is? Those of you who want to crack open scripture and quote some pieces of it, but it's not that the words of that aren't beautiful words and God, the, the, the Ten Commandments, come on with it, the Beatitudes, all of this, some good stuff. But you're going to have to do some living. You can't just quote. You can't just read and write it. There's some living that's required. And so it is with the declaration of independence, with the declaration of principles, with the, you know, uh, uh, Garrison. William Garrison had a a declaration of, I want to say sensibilities. That's what I'm getting right now. I think it's the Declaration of Sensibilities written right around the same time. No, earlier. I think about 1833. Go on, girl. Work it out. 
Your presence of spirit giving you some historical relevancy here. Don't, don't do no Googling, though, in the process. We're just going to let this thing unfold like I said it did. So, but the idea is, is we're brilliant writers. We're brilliant writers across time. Can we lift, can we raise, can we ratchet up our living to the level of our writing, though? Can we live it? Can we relate to each other? Frederick Douglass went on to say that, he says, I answer a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. And if I hadn't told y'all, you know, sometimes I do a little ruse with y'all. I told you that was Frederick Douglass from 1853, but I could have just tweaked it a tiny bit, and it could look like 2021. And it's, I just want, I need that to go on our record. I need us to be aware of where we are in our own progress, where we are in what's happening, because what we want to remember about Frederick Douglass is that he escaped from slavery in 1838. So it's not this just barely a generation, if you will, between him in slavery and, and learning to read and write, but hiding it, knowing that his life is in danger if it's discovered, to him speaking on the 4th of July with that level of clarity putting things in their proper place. There's some living. We can ratchet it up for that. His powerful, look at here, y'all. Here's, here's what, here's what. He says in that, in that address, he also said the rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. He said, the sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours. It's not mine. You rejoice. I mourn. I'm laying track here, y'all. I need you to know the consciousness from which, from which I want us to begin that as with most things, when we, when we address them, they look different to her than they look to him. And so all of this is important, but he goes on record to say that there is not a man beneath the canopy of heaven. There's nobody who doesn't know that slavery is wrong for him. You don't need an extra degree, no extra letters. You don't need to have been enslaved to know that it's wrong. And I kind of need us to just go there, don't I? To just go to that awareness. Because, look, when we do, see, this strikes me right where I live. I'm, I'm setting it up historically, but I'm reminding you that that is still true right now. Laws on the book that at the face of the law, it makes perfect sense. But in the application of it, it is entirely different for them than for them. It's written in a way that sounds very neutral. 
And in the righteousness of our minds, we say, well, that just makes good sense. We can't have people thieving and looting and carrying on. But then how you determine that they're thieving and looting? Is it whether they have on a hoodie or not? Is it the degree of melanation? Is it what, what is it that immediately clues you into? Is it the neighborhood? Look at here. Bottom line for this part of what I've come to tell you is that I don't know how they did it. I don't know how my mama did it. I don't know how her mama did it. And I'm just talking about mamas now. Because when I start thinking about my father, I don't know how he got to be my father. I don't know how he lived long enough in the South to get grown. I don't know how my mother walked her trouble down. I don't know how my father or any black man ever stood his ground. I don't know how my people survived slavery. I do remember. That's why I believe. Words by Sweet Honey and the Rock. <laughs> I remember and I believe. Here's another arrangement of that, because I want to impress this on your psyche. That we don't, we can't begin to know how, but we must remember. And from that remembrance, we can believe in what? It's done unto us as we believe. I don't know how my mother walked her trouble down I don't know how my father stood his ground I don't know how my people survived slavery I do Remember, that's why I believe I don't know why the rivers overflow their banks I don't know why the snow falls and covers the ground I don't know why the hurt Sweeps through the land every now and then. Standing in a rainstorm, I believe. Yeah. 
of I remember, I believe. So I hope some of y'all were dancing it with me. There's something about, well, the ancestors, something about the what, what is for some of us dancing it in is a part of it. Some of the rest of you need to Google the lyrics and just begin to read them aloud or hum them aloud, but somehow there's something that is for each and every one of us. My God calls to me in the morning dew. Somebody needs to know that. I'm just saying. Somebody needs to, to, to hone that personal, intimate relationship with the divine so that it's calling to you and them in the morning dew all day long so that there's a divine awareness that that is the case. The power of the universe. What knows my name? Y'all know that that's my jam, that you got to have a personal relationship. How are you friends with somebody who don't know your name? How are you in intimate relationship with, in a relationship where your name is not known and you don't have a name for the other one? Give me a song to sing. Gave me a song to sing and then sent me on my way. See, this is what's true for all of us. Some of us try to pretend like we don't hear the song. But we each have been given a song to sing. Y'all need to know this is my song. This is the song I've been given to sing. It's not always the one I want to. It usually isn't the song I want to sing. Let me just be clear. But that doesn't matter. Because what? It woke me up. It is given to me. I'm in relationship. I know what's mine to be, to do, to have. I raise my voice for justice. I believe. I believe. And so look, here's, here's why I was laying track earlier. I was reminding you that Frederick Douglass, that his resolute denunciations of slavery and forceful examination of the Constitution, and, and we must be critical in our examination of all the documentation. That doesn't mean we disagree, but you got to know what's what. 
You got to know whether you were included in that. You know, I think there's work for everybody. Some of y'all need to start the petition. Somebody else needs to be the signer in it. See, I don't know what your work is exactly, but I know there's work for absolutely every one of us. I told you somebody's job is to bake the cookies, but somebody better have some bail money. Somebody has to have the transportation to go pick the people up when they get out. And somebody has to have access to the attorney. See, it requires a dang village to do all the parts. But Frederick Douglass challenges us to think about history. To tell, he challenges us also about the values that have been taught. And if our actions match our aspirations. Let me just say right now, they usually don't, but that's okay because it, when we realize that, it simply reminds us I got work to do. It's not a time for shame and blame. It's a time to say, whoo, I got to get back on track because <laughs> I got a vision and an intention that is not being matched by my actions. And so I, since I need them to match, I've got work to do. Get help discerning. That's why they're practitioners. That's it. Get your help to discern what is it that is required of you to get all that lined up. Frederick Douglass very specifically said, we have to do with the past only as we can make it useful in the future. That's why we tag back. That's our Sankofa moment. We look back so we can straighten it out up front. We look back and say, oh, Lord, it's always been like this. Let me just, it's not a sacred cow. I can see where the work must be done. He also said that it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. I believe him. I believe him. That's why we, that's why we mentor we know that, that, that that's one of our ministries now. Oakland Bay Area Cares used to be a separate nonprofit. We've brought it in as one of our circles. And we'll be working on that. That mentoring, being there, because what? It's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And broken women, let's not get it twisted generationally. There's a time when, you know, well, y'all don't need me because that would be a waste of my time right now. But the idea here is when we think about, so how do we build stronger children? How do we do that? I'm going to take a little deviation. Y'all know I'm up here baking baklava, so I need you to try to keep up. Because there's what I think is a bit of gaslighting. A bit of gaslighting. Gaslighting. But there's gaslighting that's going on right now on our watch. And some of us believe that the key to, to, to um, interrupt gaslighting is to put a flashlight on it. Put a dang searchlight on it. Just turn the thing on and light the whole thing up so you can see what's really going on here. And so just briefly, I want to highlight some things about critical race theory. Because if our intention 
is to raise strong, aware youngsters. Then they're going to have to know something. See, they, we can't train them like the Declaration of Independence was written about them, and it's their fault that they didn't do, that they didn't have the liberty and the happiness and the, like, what were you doing that you didn't do that? Well, I had a boot on my neck. So there's a level of understanding that is essential in all of this. I want to share with you that to me, critical race theory requires that we read between the lines of American history. So it's about discernment. American history is already written, by the way. So it's already written. It's when you read it, you're being called to discern. What does this really mean? Who is it talking to and about? It's doing critical thinking about what you see here. And it's also about, now see, if you don't know any better, then you could just accept it exactly as it's written. But part of what I think is important is that we teach what's so. And that's what I think has come out of this. So critical race theory was not intended for schools. It's graduate work. It's for attorneys and it's for uh, professors at the level. To, so it's, it's, a, it's contextual. So I want to share with you what, what uh, Dr. Imani Perry, who's a PhD and teaches this. She says that uh, critical race the theory is literally just a way of understanding the mechanics of racial inequity and how the law might be imagined to address them. She says it's nothing more than that. It's really clear that some are outraged at the idea that we would teach the history of the nation in an authentic way. With all the details of the injustice, of the violence, of the inequity, of uh, inequality, I'm sorry, of all the isms, that is seen as a problem for some that we want to maintain, that they, they want to maintain the fiction of this country, the mythology of this country. And that's something we do not, we, I'm sorry, that is something that we do have to be very deliberate about responding to because we want our kids to be raised with deep and meaningful knowledge. Now, I'm just going to say that somebody's already knowing that we're going to have to do that ourselves. I've already been just dreaming of a project, of a way to bring youngsters in who need to know what's so. Because it's clear that it's not in the basic curriculum. It's not the basic way to educate youngsters of color. And very specifically black youngsters. It just has not been. But it's on our watch so we can make it be. See, it all doesn't have to happen in the school during school time. Some of it could happen on a Saturday. Come on in on a Saturday. Maybe come into the churches. I don't know where it needs to be. Come to the park and recs. 
When I was a kid, we were all up in the parks and rec doing stuff. This could be one of the things that revitalizes. See, I don't know the how of it, but I know we got work to do. That much I know. I know that that when youngst- if youngsters were to understand that the <clears throat> that hu- that it's already been determined, pardon me, that it's already been determined scientifically proven that 90 that humans, all humans share 99.9% of their genetic makeup. You begin to get that race is a social construct, a political social construct, a financial and economic construct. Can, and that this notion of, of whiteness is manufactured. We got work to do. We got work to do. Not only must we educate ourselves, but we must also we got to bring the children along. And, you know, for, for, for the boomer generation, part of the accusation is we're not doing our work. We've been too busy making some money and taking care of ourselves that we haven't brought the youngsters along like, like we were brought along. And that's often the case generationally. The generation, they do that, they get it, and they're like, I don't need to tell them that. That's gonna, I don't want them to know that. But I hope we're discerning that they need to know. They need to know. And this whole, this whole fight, this whole campaign about ensuring that, that other versions, other ways, the other context for American history cannot be shared in schools. The fight is on. But you know what it reminds me of? Is the way that folks responded to the Fugitive Slave Act. You see, because when, when <clears throat> those who had been enslaved and had escaped north and were living as free persons, there really was a kind of don't ask, don't tell was going on. But that was the problem. You see, you don't need a, a fugitive slave act if everybody's capturing folks, sending them back. The problem was that folks were getting away and staying away. And the, also the problem was that there was and there was a kind of a balance in slaveholding states and free states. But then when Texas came into the Union, the imbalance was there. And so the call was, no, we can't have those that we've been enslaving get away scot-free. They can't just be gone and stay gone. And so the Fugitive Slave Act literally required that anybody designated as a slave. Now, it's not written that way, but this is why discernment, come on now. This is why we got to get in there underneath the thing because it's written in a way that says that all slaves must be captured and it's now, the Slave Act says it's the federal government's job to make sure that all enslaved get back. But the problem was that they couldn't tell them apart. Y'all know that now. Anybody in a hoodie. Anybody dark enough. There's a case right now that I've just read about where the guy did not fit the description in any way, shape, or form. 
and he served, I forget how many years, because, you know, the baklavas get running off the pan now. Uh, but the idea is that we're so vulnerable when it's just anything that can possibly be qualified or somebody may think is that. So we know, because we've talked about this during black history, that they would capture anybody. And how can you prove you're free and be paid? How can you prove that you're free? You got, what, free papers? That somebody's going to go, oh, I'm so sorry, ma'am. Here's your papers back. And so what they were doing was capturing folks on the street, kidnapping. But the outcome of that was fury and rebellion. You see, sometimes you, you, you don't know what's going to be required to, to shift the way we see a thing and the way a thing plays out. I'm just trying to tell you, if you watch history, you see that the pendulums keep swinging. Oh, it, all the time. But look, so that was happening, and it just, it was squeezing northerners. And that was a huge part of what led to the Civil War was not being able to resolve, but there was fury and rebellion about that. And there may well be fury and rebellion about what can be taught, that the truth cannot be spoken, that folks are just finding out what to social media, some of it, it irritates a lot of folks. But can I tell you that all the folks who know about Greenwood now that didn't, so you see, that's like one of the pieces omitted from history. But somebody knows. Oh, Lord, I'm just hoping y'all get this. I'm hoping y'all get this. That, that critical race theory does not accuse one individual of bias or prejudice. There's, nobody's at risk of being called racist. I mean, because they, they, that's not the issue. It's the way we contextualize history. It's what do we need to know? <clears throat> what do we need to know? And let's tell them that. Let's tell them. The idea here is to remove it from it being so, so politicized. You know, it's now just a, a knee jerk. Because we've come into a time where if you call a thing, just this is why I'm trying to link it up here, that if you call that black person a slave, they simply were. And back you could ship them. With a reward, by the way. And so now, if you call something racist, teaching that, telling folks that this is the way it actually happened is racist, then we, we have to take that out. Because somebody has called it that. See, I've come today to say, uh -uh, don't, be, don't go for the okey-doke, y'all. Don't go for the okey-doke. We've been here before. We know that just calling a thing a thing don't make it the thing. And so that's my sense about this. So I don't really care what you call it, but you're going to have to tell, teach the children the truth. Frederick Douglass reminds us that to suppress free speech is a double wrong. It violates the right of the, of the hearer as well as those of the speaker. So the truth needs to be told. And that's what today is about, is how do we tell the truth in a way I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring back Robert Jensen for you because he says it in a way. He says, 
to not be shaken by suffering would be to abandon some of one's humanity. So you see, there, there's something within us that, that, that you want to wake up. You want to wake up your, your, your empathetic spirit. You want to wake up your compassion. He says to ignore the fact that we white guys benefit from these systems would be to abandon any humanity that remains. I think our work is to return or to, see, I want to say return. (laughs) I really do. But I'm just going to be clear, is to fan the flame on humanity. Telling the truth, revealing what is, because what we live through it, that might be part of the problem. That the folks who object to it know we're going to get to the part where we say and we live to tell it. My dear sister Susan Taylor refers to us as the people who refuse to die. The folks who refuse to die having been through all of it. Oh, So look, look, this brings me to, I don't know if y'all know that Ralph Waldo Emerson has a whole work on anti-slavery. And, th- and the reason I want to interject him in this moment, and this is, I'm in the closed phase of, we, we about to put the baklava in the oven, so we, we working it out here. Look, the reason I want to go here is because as a transcendentalist and a minister, he, was, he had his beliefs, but he was really slow coming to abolitionism really slow. He had some issues with their behavior. And you know how we do. We don't like the way the Black Panthers do the thing. You know, well, yeah, they feeding the children, they doing this, but look at the nappy hair. I'm just, I'm just trying to keep it plain, y'all. We find something that we latch on to that isn't right. So, so Emerson had a bit of that. He didn't like the way they were doing something about it. But by the time the Fugitive Slave Act happened, he's like, you know what? I can't take no more. You know, they hadn't gone too far wrong now. And he got on board. And he got on board in a big way. When I read about him, his whole family, his son, his wife, his mother <laughs> was busy. So, so he was surrounded by folks who knew the truth. But you see, you really shouldn't have to search that hard to find out that Emerson had a dog in the fight, or a nickel in the dime, as it were. You know what I mean? You really just, that, that just, I mean, why you, why would we run across that just in basic studies? Well, we might have to make that happen. You see what I'm saying? We might have to make that happen because he said, he said, I think we must get rid of slavery, or we got to get rid of freedom, because we can't play at both sides. We can't act like freedom is the intention while we enslaving people. He said, because if you put your neck around, if you put a chain around the neck of the slave, the other end fastens itself around you. So he's just, you know, when he got in the, when he got in the fray, he got in (laughs) and he was clear all along. But see, that's going to be some of us. We don't, we, we may not like the one leading it and, I don't know if it ought to be about lives matter. I don't care. Do the do what you do. You because you, you remember we had a whole debate. We we about let it go now, but you remember early on. 
we were like, mm, just black li- I'm not comfortable just saying black lives because mm, we were there. Don't be acting like you weren't now. Because somebody, you know, this is the 2020s. Somebody got video. It's very likely you on video. It's in like in the 60s where you could say whatever and then deny having said it. Somebody probably got video if you take an exception. But now there's a certain mainstream acceptance. Now, don't mishear me. This isn't everywhere, but in the family. <laughs> in the family, we no longer, we, that twitch has subsided when it comes up. He wrote on the right of self-ownership of slaves to themselves and their labor. Look at here. In 1863, he read his poem. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it ends by saying, pay ransom to the owner and fill the bag to the brim. Who is the owner? The slave is the owner and ever was. Pay him. Now, if you can imagine in 1863, I mean, it's saying something now, because what is this but reparations? Don't be silly. There, is there any new idea? So in 1863, Ralph Waldo Emerson is saying, you owe them. I know y'all are working out the court cases where you're paying the folks who think they can own people. You're paying them for the loss of their property and all that. Because y'all know when, sla- when they, slavery was outlawed, you know they, the, some of those plantation owners got paid because they had to give up this. So it's not that we don't believe in paying people. Calm down. Who is the owner? They own themselves. Come on, let me get to the close here. Ernest Holmes. Ernest Holmes says to us that we begin one by one to break the chains of human consciousness which bind us. Somebody ought to get on board with that. One by one, that's each of us in his and her own way, breaking the binds, breaking the chains that bind us, yes? He says it's absolutely necessary. We've got to absolutely break it and emancipate ourselves from it. He says, but how are you going to do it? Emphasis is mine, by the way. He had that in the whole paragraph. I needed to break it out because that's our question. How are we going to do it? We're going to do it the same way that brought about the condition, thinking. We thunk our way into this because everything is produced by thought. I give you an example, whiteness, for example, the very idea of whiteness, the very construct of race. It's already been proven no such thing as race other than to call it human. There's a human race. But somebody thought, oh, I know what I'll do. Let's divvy it up. And then we'll say, what race are you? And you have sense enough, are you foolish enough to answer? Something other than human. Because that's the only rightful answer. What race are you? Human? And then just leave them sitting there. Just like not understand that they're asking you a question that's so off base. Because it disregards the truth of humanity. Now they may not know it. It may not be intentional. It's just what they do. Trying to 
sort it out, trying to see which side of the line they're going to put you on or where you, where you should be, how we're going to relate to you, but that ain't it. He says you, you're going to do it by thinking into universal mind the truth about yourself. You're going to have to know it first. This is why we're going to have to bring the children in. You have to bring them in and make sure they know. We can't just assume they're going to figure it out. We didn't. The highest truth is that we are power, spirit, substance. We are made in the image of the divine. We're perfect. But are we afraid of knowing that? Are we afraid of owning that, of being it? We who believe in freedom, y'all, cannot rest. This is not the point on the journey where we get to kick back and start talking about what we did and how much we made and how we did it. This is the point where we realize we cannot rest because we believe in freedom and we will stand where we need to stand, we'll say what we need to say, we'll do what we need to do because we're not going to rest until it comes. My baklava is done. Believe in freedom, can I rest? Mm. We who believe in freedom, can I rest until it comes? We who believe in freedom, can I rest? Mm. We who believe in freedom, can I rest until it comes?
We who believe in freedom cannot rest. Oh, Reverend Dr. Andriette Earl has truly called us all into a vision of spiritual liberation by reminding us that there is work for absolutely every one of us. It truly requires a village to grow and to nurture a world that works for everyone. Oh, we've got work to do. And that work can certainly begin with gracious giving. Here at Heart and Soul Center of Light, we have several ways in which you can support this ministry. You can send a check to Heart and Soul Center of Light at 5627 Telegraph Avenue, number 405, Oakland, California, 94609. You can also give online at our website, heartsoulcenter.org slash give. And while you're there, you may decide that you want to set up recurrent giving, thereby uh, giving your gift automatically in the amount and the timing that you choose. Or you may just want to give on a one-time basis. Whatever works for you works for us. But last but not least, you can even just text the word give to 510-500-5849. Whatever way you choose to give is right and perfect, and it is important that we maintain the proper consciousness in giving our good, blessing our good, thereby establishing the good that our gift will do as it moves through this world. So the way we do that is simply take our gift in hand and otherwise just place our hand over our heart and let us say our blessing together. I bless this gift as healing energy and send it into the divine flow of all good. Infinite prosperity circulates through me, through my church, and throughout the world because I know God as source. And so it is. And now it's my pleasure to bring back our own Reverend Andriette Earl. Thank you, Revelo. I am, I'm standing here just beaming. One, because we have, there's so much that's up for us, and it's all good stuff to be about the work that's required of us. But we can do it. It'd be a problem if we couldn't do it. But we can do it. We're at the right place at the right time. We know what we need to know. We have the tools. We have the resources. And in case you're doubting that at all or in case you want to sharpen up your sword, whatever it is, to just be better and better prepared for the highest and best for all concerned, I'm inviting you to our 2021 summer school. It's going to be all virtual. Registration begins next Sunday. Please join us. It's for five Wednesdays beginning July 28th through August 25th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. And it is the bomb. So uh, as, uh, is there ever a time, has there ever been a summer school that wasn't? I, can I, I just need to just kind of say, because we, we like got it like that. So you don't want to miss summer school. There's some stuff you can miss, but you don't want to miss this. So check this out.
be there or be square is all I can say to y'all. So again, registration opens next Sunday. We'll be giving you the details about that. But just be there. Arrange your schedule in a way so that you can do that. I am so grateful. Y'all just don't know the power of an, a magnificent team in getting it all done. So a huge thank you to the team. I'm grateful that today uh, y'all could probably hear to hear some of the talk back from the folks who are here in the sanctuary. I just want to be clear that the folks who are here now are per- in particular, we've asked that our ushers and greeters be here. And it's because we're in preparation for opening. This will be the first opening of this of the space that we're in now. And so we're getting ourselves ready to see how do we do this. And uh, that's going to take whatever time it takes for us to get ready. But I'm grateful for the folks who have shown up today so that we can begin working towards that. I'm grateful for the regular broadcast team, our love streaming team, our virtual leadership. I am just grateful. I know y'all see my face on the screen, but if you knew, wouldn't be no screen. Wouldn't be no podium up here. Wouldn't be no. Wouldn't be nothing but me and some little drag on. Look at just trying to do it. None of that would work. So I'm grateful for sound, for projection, for all of it that is required in order for this to happen. But today, can I just tell you how grateful I am for Liz Wright, who I like anyhow. You know, I'm a fan. But today, she just brought that home for us, yes? And also for the Resistance Choir, who did a magnificent thing with Ella's song. Don't you think? Absolutely. And so I'm going to, when we close out, love truly does matter, but we're not going to use Love Matters today. We're going to do Ella's song again because we're going to dance that out. We're going to dance it into our consciousness, into our body temple in a way that we can really get it. Because what? We who believe in freedom cannot, will not rest. Look at here. On Sunday morning, July 4th, 1937, Dr. Ernest Holmes at the Wilter Theater in Los Angeles gave a talk, The Spiritual Meeting of Freedom. And I'm going to just excerpt a tiny bit of that just as we in gratitude in an attitude of gratitude and a consciousness of gratefulness as we drop into the energetic presence of thanksgiving and appreciation and gratitude and our intention for freedom for all of humanity, that I ask you to just allow your eyes to close to into that sweet spot where we know that spiritual mind treatment does its best work where Dr. Holmes said that the kingdom of God is one kingdom. And so I'm recognizing right now in my consciousness, he said it in 1937, it's true right now in and as me in 2021. The kingdom of God is one kingdom. And we know that true liberty must spring from true unity. And so I stand now knowing that I am as thou art, that thou art as I am. That I and the Father be one. That there is one even while we are many, he said. And since each one of us is a part of the whole, if we seek to destroy each other, we only ultimately hurt ourselves. This is the great lesson of life, he said. Freedom then will come only in such degree as we no longer do anything that hurts anyone. 
But that does not mean we have to become spiritual or intellectual doormats. Freedom will come only as it is tied into divine wisdom. We desire freedom. We sense freedom. We sense liberty. We sense God. Yet out here in the objective world, we experience limitation and the argument is between what we feel ought to take place and what we see and the world experiences. It seems as though we are two people, one that experiences evil and one that knows there should be no evil. And so it is in this awareness of the inner struggle that I speak this word as a word of freedom and divine liberation that right where we are right now, the whole perfect and complete nature of the divine, the living one, the strong one, the mighty I am presence is and is freeing is releasing from bondage and the perception of bondage and the rumor of bondage and the idea of bondage and in its place is the freedom and divine liberation beginning with my head, my own thinking, my own feeling, my own knowing, straightening setting that straight first for each and every one of us. I speak this word knowing that it's true for me and because it's true, it is simply true. Which means that it's true everywhere. Always for everyone. And that's not because I made it special. It's because it is the truth. The truth is that we are all created equal and that we all have inalienable rights. It is the truth. And I speak this word knowing that we must, each and every one of us must know it. Or for the ones who can't yet know it, that I'm standing in the gap right now, that I am knowing and knowing with such force and such power and such conviction that it is simply known. And that the vibration of knowing is somehow received wherever it's needed. That there is divine order in the universe that handles the details. That I don't know who hears this in the sound of my voice. What I know is that it's heard wherever it needs to be heard. That I know that it's received wherever. That the hearing is not enough. (laughs) But I know that it's received. That is to say, discerned is true wherever it's essential that that happen. And that discernment itself is not enough. But this word will be a call to action for somebody where it's needed, where it's required, where it's perfect. It'll be a call to action where someone will awaken from the sleep of inertia in apathy and realize that there's something for me to do. There's something for me to be. There's something for me to have. There's something happening right now in me that requires that I show up. Oh, I'm just grateful. I'm gra- See, I'm not doing none of that. All I'm doing is telling the truth. And the truth told actually has nothing to do with the one who told it. Has everything to do with what is possible in engaging that truth. And so right now, I'm just grateful. 
I'm grateful for showing up that my vocal port, my vocal cords would be vibrated in such a way that the truth could be spoken. In the way that it was, I'm grateful that Liz Wright's vocal cords were, were activated in a way that the majesty of the song and the message. I'm grateful that Ella's song came through to us in a new way, touching us in new ways, ensuring that something different could happen for those for whom it is time for them to be different. So I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing that this mission is accomplished. I'm grateful. So in an attitude of gratitude and a consciousness of gratefulness and in divine appreciation, I present this word into the absolute perfect activity of love and love. <laughs> I just drop it there. I drop, drop kick it right into the universal activity of love the law and the way that it ensures that the spiritual activity required is brought forth. And then me, I let it be. I let it be trusting, knowing, believing. I seal this as done and done well in God. And I simply ask that anyone who agrees or can see that there could be anything here for him or her, would join me in saying, Ashe, Amen. Amen. And so it is. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. And we won't, and we don't. I bring you the resistance. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. Until the killing of black men, black mothers. Take a verse, they have the curse. 